You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast with your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. And before we begin the show, just like last time, I just want to shout out every single person that has supported the show, that has sent emails, sent out tweets, sent out Facebook messages, supporting the show, absorbing the content, taking notes. It's really, really inspiring to me and inspiring to our guests that you're actively engaged. So I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And it's a call to action. One call to action before we get to our show. Please, if you haven't done so, rate the podcast. Give it a five star if you can. Rate the podcast. Let the world know what's going on. And feel free to share it to your friends. This is all about minority empowerment. Honestly, Take that. This is about people empowerment because these stories are not only transformational from a minority perspective. These stories are transformational for anybody that's waking up out there, going to get it every single day. And this is the podcast for you. So if you know one friend out there that could benefit from this podcast, please share. That's enough of the shameless plug for the show. And let's step right into it. Today, I am honored. Like, I'm... The special guest we have today, man. All right, let me let me just go to his bio first. He's one fourth of FFCS, which stands for Freestyle Funny Comedy Show. And if you from North Carolina, if you around the East Coast, honestly, they've been traveling West Coast, East Coast, all over the country. You heard about him. You know about him. Um, he's an actor, comedian, host. You name it, he has done it. I mean, he's opened up for Kevin Hart, Mike Epps, any top dog in the industry right now outside of Bill Cosby, he's probably opened up for. Uh, most recently, he's been featured on MTV's Wild Out Season 2. Matter of fact, he didn't feature. He is a cast member of MTV's Wild Out Season 2. And most importantly, he is a proud graduate of the wonderful institution known as North Carolina A&T State University. So... Without further ado, it's my honor to introduce Darren Brand to the Minority Trailblazers podcast. Welcome to the show. And then what's happening now? What's, what's going on, man? Before we dig in, I just want to kind of work, walk the world through um, the three phases of the show, if they're kind of new to this. The first okay. phase, we're going to talk about um, Darren, his story, and get a little personal, kind of how we kind of got into action and all that other stuff. Um, the second phase... We're going to kind of walk through how did you, how did he get there and try to give actionable steps and guidance for anybody that's trying to enter the field, be an entrepreneur, or just give some takeaways so you can go home tonight and start working on your craft. And the third phase is we're going to jump into the future. What's, what's, what's next for Darren Brand? What, what's going on? And what's the new wave? And in the last round, we're going to have a series of rapid fire questions to kind of, um, get it started. So, Let's jump right into it, man. So first, I want to say, okay, give give me give me your background. Give me who you are and what you do, dog. Name is Darren Brand. I'm from um, born and raised from North Carolina, a place called Southern Pines, which is outside of Fayetteville. Um, North Carolina country boy. Went to A and T. Started in 2002. Graduated 2007. And I I worked in retail as a manager. Had my own store for about four or five years, and then uh, recently. Broke into the comedy game, quit my job in January, and the Lord been blessing me ever, ever since. Wow, wow, wow. So, okay, so you're from, where are you from again, man? Southern Pines, North Carolina, man. Small town, man. A little golf central. Got you, got you. And I see you quit your job in January, and I looked on, I did a little research today, and I looked on YouTube, and I didn't realize you've been at the Comedy Zone since 2011, 2010. Like, how long have you been a, a, a comedian? Well, I wouldn't say how long I've been a comedian. I, I started... <laughs> 
trying stand up in 2008, 2009. Okay. And, um, I mean, I remember my first show. We promoted it like it was a big show. I only had four minutes. It was at an open mic. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of A alum in the area came out. A lot of friends drove from Charlotte to support me, and I uh, gave it a try. And ever since then, from that day on, man, I've just had this burning and this itching for the stage. Like I've been, it's like a, it's like a drug. Like I, I needed to to keep going. I love making people laugh. Making people forget about reality is probably the best job ever. That's that's amazing, dog, and it's crazy that, like, from my outside looking in, because I I knew you I knew about you a little bit, Ant, because you're a big personality, and now I'm getting to know you a lot better. But I didn't realize that you've been at this for six years, and you're just now leaving your job and doing it full time. And I think for everybody listening to the podcast, and for all you young cats out here trying to get it, y'all realize it took him six years to get to this point where he can leave his job and really pursue his dream. So he was he was managing at a at a, at a store. And doing this, pursuing this full time with all his heart. And it took him this long to get there. Cause I mean, for people that maybe just attended one of your shows or maybe not know much of you, they'd be like, Oh man, he's a funny guy. He's naturally doing this. He just, it's an overnight success, man. He's, uh, he's touring to all these colleges. He's getting all this traction, but they don't really know that this is, this has been a lifetime in the making. Right. Right. Yeah. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been a hard road, man. It's, uh, not only, do I do stand up? But, mm-hmm. you know, one thing when you're chasing your dream is very expensive. You got to invest in yourself. You got to invest in your appearance. You got to invest in, mm-hmm. um, you know, always rental cars and, and getting up the road and be able to go at any time and new material. And uh, one thing about being a comedian and entertainment, a lot of people don't understand that you have to keep up with everything because my audience, my fan base can range from 16 to 40. <laughs> so crazy. you got to be able to appeal to a lot of masses. We've uh-huh. done clean shows, church shows. I mean, it's it's very, you know, we have to be on Twitter at all times and just, just to be in the notes, just in case we can make a joke about it and mm-hmm. lighten the situation. We have to be on Instagram all the time. We have to we have to be up to date with sports. And, and you know, it's, it's it's a full-time job outside of just being on the stage. Yeah, and and, and, and then we're going to do a deep dive into kind of your preparation process and, and everything else. But before we kind of do that, Let's kick this show off with a quote because I'm a big quote guy. All my friends know at 4.30 every morning I get up, I run. But before I do that, I send everybody, I send like 100 people a quote. And I just like getting that that ball rolling, getting that creative energy. So, hey, yo, Darren, can you give yeah. me a quote, give me your favorite quote, and then kind of give me a story on how you intertwine this in your daily life? Um, One quote that stands by me is uh, hard work beats talent mm-hmm. when talent fails to work hard. And um, every day that you that you wake up, you're given a new opportunity to work hard and achieve something that day. It can be it can be, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, run instead of doing two miles, work your way up to three. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, trying to change your attitude at your job, not be so negative. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. But hard work beats talent because God gives everyone a certain talent. Mm -hmm. He gives everyone a talent. It's just whether you choose to use it or not. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who use it, but they don't work hard at it. And once you once you don't work hard at the talent no longer that God has given you, you will lose it. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like I used to draw. I used to be in um, a million art shows in middle school. I mean, wow. I could draw anything sketch. I mean, I was nice, real nice. I won a lot of competitions and got to college and got caught up in the whole fun and going out. And now <laughs> I, I can't draw on that same level that I once did. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't work hard at that talent. I didn't, I didn't put in the effort better than the next student. So I, that talent, you know, went away. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, I don't know if that was necessarily my calling, but I didn't put the effort in it as I did with everything else. Now, as far as comedy, I, would, I, I apply comedy every day. 
Making people laugh and forgetting reality is one of the best things ever because you never know what someone is going through. We've had so many celebrities commit suicide and you look yeah. at people, I can't imagine how, I don't know how, I don't see it, but you don't know what people go what are people going through. So if you make somebody laugh, you don't know what that laughter has done for them f- for that day. You don't mm-hmm. know what's been accomplished. So that's why that quote, that quote just stands tough to him. There's been, there's a lot of like I'm funny. But there's uh-huh. a lot of other people who are way more funnier than me, mm-hmm. but they don't put in the work that I do. Yes. Therefore, you may not get a chance to know them. You may not see them. You won't see them flyer. They're not invested in their brand. They're not invested in their craft. They're not, you know, trying new things and going to different states, states and cities and countries and trying new stages and stands. And they're not putting in that work. They're just mm-hmm. sitting in the same area. And they're very funny. But they're not putting <laughs> in that work. Yeah, that you hit it on the head, man. And I want you to because because I'm trying to get in my head from a comedian's perspective of what you do right now. What does putting in work look like? Um, man, uh, one thing about quitting your job mm-hmm. and uh, chasing your dream, you got to be kind of crazy to do that, because one at our age, 26, 27, 28, 30, it's very difficult to take a risk and um, let go of security. Mm-hmm. So when you let go of security, your mind constantly races all the time. Mm-hmm. Greg, I can't even count the times, how many times I woke up at three, four in the morning and I'm just sitting there <laughs> worrying about how I'm going to get this next check, how's this, <laughs> how I'm going to pay this bill, let me budget this. And then I laugh it off and I start writing material. Uh-huh. Like that, that, that's what I mean by working hard. Uh-huh. Not, I don't, I don't go out to the clubs anymore unless I'm booked or it's my my company because I'm part of a promotional company that does not, uh, events, mm-hmm. nighttime events. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of being out with random females and having a good time, I'd rather sit at home, you know, watch whose line is it anyway, watch Comedy <laughs> Central stand up special, just uh-huh. see the different styles of comedy and take notes from all the different comedians and brainstorm different different shows and different sets because I perform at Greensboro once a month mm-hmm. and. What a lot of people don't understand is that means I have to come up with a new set, a 15-minute set every month. And I want to be the best mm-hmm. every month. So it takes time to come up with a 15-minute set of new material. You have the same people come to that. They don't want to pay $20 to see the same jokes. Yeah. That's what I mean by putting in the work. Like, I'm not out here, you know, I'm not out here on IG flexing. I'm out here on IG motivating people to chase their dreams, to push themselves. That's huge, man. I think you, I think you hit it right on the head. And honestly, what they're putting in work is from every different perspective, whether it's your own Instagram, social media, or you're watching TV, it's all kind of okay, observing. You're not just watching a guy talk. You're watching, okay, how does, how does he deliver that line? How is he looking right. into the crowd? How, like, what, like, this, because so, it's in the details, right? It's in the small, littlest details, what yeah. makes an average comedian an amazing comedian, right? Exactly. And, it, and it's different styles. Like, you have to see, like, you know, there's just African-American comedy. There's majority white comedy. There's Hispanic comedy. There's dark comedy. There's edgy, very racial comedy. There's mm-hmm. so many different styles. And it just, I think the best comedian will take a piece from each style and know how to make it good for any audience. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to perform in front of a mixed audience from 18 to 30 and have it sold out in a building that holds 5,000 people. Like, that's what I want. I want to be able to touch every single person in the audience. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you research and you put in the time in the gym, like you still, like I think as myself, I think I'm very great at what I do, but I still go to open mics to try material. I still have phone um, group conference calls with my team about trying to, you know, write new materials, new jokes. So, yeah. 
That's that's huge, man. That's huge. So right now, I know, and we're gonna kind of deep in, do a deep dive into kind of what you're working on now. But I want to bring it back to um, a moment as a comedian, kind of like even in my public speaking, anything anything to do where we where you failed, where you, you not failed, but um, you had a hard time. Because I know comedians, you see, like right now, I go to see you ripping up shows. But but take us to a story where you had a show or incident where it's like you really hit the the ground. It wasn't what you were expecting. It was a bad moment. Kind of walk us through that and then let us know what what you learned from it. I I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you this for about maybe just like 3 years ago, 4 years ago, for about 4 or 5 months, I felt like I did not have a successful set in Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't know what it was. I mean, I went to L.A. before. Uh-huh. I did so well in L.A., they asked me to come back once a week. And I was like, well, guys, I don't live here. <laughs> but you can imagine what that did to my confidence. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be in L.A. Mm-hmm. And and I'm in a back room with all these comedians who've been doing it for 10 years, 12 years. And I say, I did it for two. Mm-hmm. They all laughing. And I go out there, and they say, I should have headlined. Mm-hmm. Like, that was wow. one of the best feelings ever. But then I come back home. And, I, and it's not that the Charlotte crowd was rough. I don't, I don't know if it was like a mental block, but I did not get the same laughs that I received at Greensboro, Atlanta, or Raleigh. And if for some reason, I could not get past Charlotte and, uh, for about three shows in a row. I mean, I got laughs. Like, Don't get me wrong. I've never bombed. <laughs> Bomb is when nobody laughs and you just ready to get off. Yeah. But I, it just, it just would, they just wouldn't come to me. Like it wasn't, I don't know if it was a, Mental thing. I was rushing my material. I wasn't confident myself. Like once you didn't, once I didn't do well the first time, instead of shaking it off, I was like, man, I didn't even kill this time. I got to come seven times harder. And I actually came too hard, mm-hmm. like too extra, too much. So it took a balance, but I just worked at it, worked at it. I, I kept going to different open mics, and finally I went to Charlotte. And now, man, Charlotte's one of the best, one of my best places to perform, hands down. Wow. So if you had to boil it down to one thing that, that you brought from it and you learned from it to this day, what would that one thing be for our audiences? Um, you got to get back up because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's tough, you know, especially with, with African-Americans, with black folks, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We spend $20, $15, $40, $50, sometimes a hundred. We uh-huh. expect to be crying laughing. Uh-huh. So when you're sitting there and they just looking at you with the face, like make me laugh and you know, it's not working. I mean, it gets tough and you just got to get back up. Like if you really feel like this is something that you must do, if like I think about the stage every single day. I think about Dot introducing my name, coming to the stage, Darren Brand, Big Baby, every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. So there was no way I could let Charlotte or that stage defeat me because I think about the stage every single day. So no matter what, I don't care if it would have took me a year, eventually Charlotte would have been conquered. Yeah, so you were gonna get. It doesn't matter what what obstacle is in the way. You're gonna make sure. Nah, they gonna they gonna laugh and they gonna laugh. To, to, they gonna they they're gonna give me the response I need at this thing. Exactly, it, it's coming. It, like I'm not I'm not about it. And you know, this is my home state. That's ridiculous. I can't be from here. <laughs> I can't kill every city in the state. So you know, but now like we have a show in Charlotte on Sunday, the 24th. It's gonna be amazing. August 24th, uh, mm-hmm. Comedy Zone. Every, the last few Charlotte shows have been sold out. And uh, I still go last in the same rotation we do, and I love it. I can't wait. That's that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So I want to I, I want to get into uh, FFCS and how that came apart in the whole movement. But before I do that, I want to ask you one question: What does it feel like being around like the Mike Epps, the Kevin Hart sort of world? Like Kevin Hart, like Kevin Hart is killing it on a whole different level right now. What is it like to be around that atmosphere and whatnot? And how does that motivate you? Um. 
to be honest, man, it's, it's, it's crazy because when I was at a and I actually booked Kevin Hart for Aggie Fest mm-hmm. in 2007. And this is before he was Kevin Hart now. I mean, he was still funny. He was just doing maybe Comedy Central mm-hmm. and he was doing um, a lot of the college booking shows, which is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like the same way he, he was, I remember one year in 2005, I want to say he was booked at UNC Pembroke and he opened up for Bruce Bruce. Wow. Open and up that's, Bruce, and that's Bruce? 2005. So like Kevin Hart opened up for Bruce Bruce. Mm-hmm. And now, so you can only imagine what that does to me now, because that, I mean, it tells you right there, dreams do come true. Yeah. The same thing Kevin Hart was doing six years ago, seven years ago, I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing the exact same program. He was doing exact same bookings. I'm opening up for Mike Epps. I opened up for D Ray Davis. I've opened up for Kevin Hart. I've hosted a show for Cat Williams. I've opened up, opened up for Shorty out of, of Atlanta, Shorty the comedian. Wow. Um, so I'm doing the same thing he's doing. It's just crazy to see him actually surpass a lot of the comedians he used to open for. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Hart is probably one of the most hardest working comedians in the game, but he also keeps a steady balance because what a lot of people don't understand is comedians are very troubled individuals and he has a good balance. You look at Cat Williams in his career, took yeah. off crazy, yeah. you know, he had a little bump, but mm-hmm. he's getting back on there. Like comedians are very troubled. It's a very, it's a very tough um, career which a lot of people don't know. and But just to see Kevin Hart, literally, like I got a picture with him when I booked him and to see him now, it just let me know that anything is possible. That's that's real, man. I'm not even going to piggyback off that. I can say no more with that, dog. Um, now let's jump into FFCS, man. How how did that start? Because right now it's a crazy movement. You can kind of go into it. I mean, I, I've been seeing it in my, in my, my corner eye for the last couple of years. And now... I feel like every time I look on Instagram, social media, y'all are everywhere on the college scene. So walk us through FFCS and, and how it started and your involvement with it. Man, FFCS started about five years ago. Um, we originally started with five members, me, um, B-Dot, Chico Bean, B-Dot and Chico Bean are from Winston, me, uh, a guy named Comedian Burpee, and Osama Ben Drinker. Mm-hmm. Comedian Burpee actually left the group four years ago. He had an opportunity that he felt like, that uh, it was his next step forward and he took it and you know it wasn't any bad blood but we do you know if we did start off with five I definitely want to give him his credit because he definitely deserves uh, some of the credit with some of the success we have success we had the first two years of our group uh-huh. um, like I said before that first show that I performed my open mic at uh, Chico Bean was there B-Dot was there and um, Osama Be Drinking wasn't there but I performed I met with Dot I knew Dot because he was King Kong at Winston. He mm-hmm. was that dude that hosted everything. Mm-hmm. And I like to say that I was King Kong at A&T because I hosted everything and uh-huh. step shows. And and so we kind of hooked up together. It was like, man, you the dude at Winston. I'm doing A&T. Let's try it. So we tried a, a little two-man group. We added Burpee to it, our original. We did a three-man group. Then he wanted to add Chico Bean. You know, that's somebody from Winston, his alumni. Mm-hmm. And Chico Bean was hilarious. And then Osama Ben Drake came to one of our shows as an opening act. Mm-hmm. And I knew Osama been drinking because he actually mentored me at A&T. He was one of my big brothers, man, who just, just took care of me. You know how you just bond with some Aggies. Yeah. And you'd be like, I'm going to take care of this dude. I'll make sure nothing happened to him. He took care of me like that. Mm-hmm. So we added we added him. Uh, a couple of years later, Burt left. And that's the four of us. Chico Bean, Osama been drinking, me, Big Baby, and B-Dot. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, our success comes from the way we treated people in undergrad, the way, the way our roles and who we were in undergrad, mm-hmm. because if you was a good dude and you really didn't shade anybody, people would go to extra mile for you. And because of that, people gave us tips like the NACA program, which is a booking 
a booking agency for all colleges for entertainment because every college can't afford Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where people like us come in. Like we're very talented, but we're not we're not too out, too much out your price range. Uh-huh. Um, Ebony Ramsey gave us a, a, a great hookup with that. She's a, um, a Aggie. Mm-hmm. Also, there are other Aggies who went off and graduated and worked at different schools who actually helped us get booked. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna give you guys a chance. You know, shouts out to A and T. They gave us the opportunity uh, for one of our first college shows in the auditorium. We actually performed the Corbett Gym, which that was a gym. Of, that was a dream of mine. To stand wow. in front of Corbett and perform in front of 5,000 Aggies. I've done that three, four times now. That's crazy. Um, Wisdom State has given us a chance to perform at their homecoming as a group, which was crazy. Uh, Shouts out to UNCG. They was really one of the first schools, other than the schools we graduated from, to give us a chance. UNCG has booked us probably three or four years in a row. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it just started from a lot of – it just started from the way people like – Man, I remember you. You good peoples. Let me let me tell you what you can do about this. Let me because a lot of people don't know how to go about even achieving your dream or achieving. It's a lot of money to be made in certain kind of in certain kind of fields that people don't even know anything about. Nah, you hit on the head. And I think your biggest takeaway from that was you've been nurturing that relationship by being an authentic, a genuine guy for since your undergrad career so now it's to a point where you have a service or something to offer and people are more than willing to to help and aid in your battle because since day one i mean of course we all made mistakes since day one though you've been the same guy same thing and they're like oh wow okay they're willing to share so that kind of they're bringing all full circle everything you do whether if you're an undergrad right now if you're in high school if you're in the real world whatever level you are in I mean, it all comes into consideration when you need it. Like right now, uh, a summer camp a month ago, I hosted a summer camp in Durham, North Carolina. And shoot, in, in, in a couple of days, I don't know who sent down the message. Then you came, Darren Brand, and then um, DJ Bobby Drake, and then Giroux. A lot of guys that are, are, are locally, I didn't pay these guys. They came out of nowhere to support. Not because of me, but because of relationships I established in my college career. And then a friend of a friend reached out and they say, no problem. So it's crazy how everything always comes full circle. It, all, it, it, it does, man. I can, I can, I can uh, say that happens to also next level success. I'm a, uh, mm-hmm. one of the head marketers of next level, which is an entertainment company. And uh, we sell out every homecoming event because of how all the executives have treated people in their undergrad careers. Like we've had 10 year relationship with some people through next level, through events, through mm-hmm. nightlife. And it's just amazing the support every year because people, I mean, you know, it's just like, it's just like a young girl who you're a freshman, you're a freshman in college and a, a young senior, you know, you wave to her and she like, Oh, all right. And then the <laughs> next year she's asking you to vote for her for Miss A&T. Yeah. It don't work. <laughs> it don't work. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it, it always, it always comes back to you. And I just, if that's one message I can get out there, you always have to remember People may not remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Hands down. Mm. Always. Mm. That's that's so real, man. That's so real. So let's let's transition to the next part of our show, man. And I want to kind of go to a more um, I want to kind of get in your head to how do you prepare for a show and give some actionable advice for anybody out there. Not only that may have an aspiration to be a comedian, but, in, but honestly, anybody out there that, that talks in front of large people or has aspirations to be in a, a personal brand or something of that nature. Because um, it takes a whole different mindset to talk to and speak in front of a 5,000 people. So let's make this next transition. What is it like looking into the stands and speaking to 5,000 plus the big arenas? Like, kind of walk us through your preparation and, and some tips to for all those aspiring to kind of ignite those kind of crowds well 
man, I can't. Oh, man. <laughs> um, it's crazy because I, I'm more comfortable in front of 5,000 people hmm. than by myself. So when you when you're prepping to be in front of that kind of people, you're in the back. You know, you may have a song or uh, I, I listen to a lot of Drake because he's I feel like he's very motivational. He's very real. Yeah. So I listen to him. And, you know, then there, 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 then there comes the the hunger stage. Like, I want this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Then it comes like I'm going to own this whole building stage. Mm-hmm. And that's when your heart's pounding, you're sweating a little bit and you're trying to walk around. And one thing FFCS does before every show is we pray together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we slow our hearts down. We pray. We talk to God. Then we, you know, we say our little last piece, and we we break, we breathe, and then after that, it's game time. It's it's it's, it's a ritual. It just it's like it's like riding a bike. It all comes back to you. Like as mm-hmm. soon as you, you know the lights come on, you're coming on stage. Everything, all the motions come right back to you. You grab the mic. You go to your corner on the stage. You point out. You look, and uh, it's it's you can feel the crowd's energy because. You know, you only got about 10 seconds to win the crowd over from the moment you touch the microphone. You know, mm-hmm. attention span these days are very, very short because and of social shorter. media, how <laughs> quick everything you can find on Google is. You know, people can't even really watch a whole movie without looking at their phone a few times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once you grab the mic and, you know, you get that first laugh, that first, okay, I got your attention, then you're mine. It's, mm-hmm. it's whatever I want, wherever I want to take you, I'm in control of you 5,000 people. And I love it. I love it. That's, man, if you could just... Just imagine 5,000 eyes looking at you and giving you that kind of energy, that laughter, that joy. That's overwhelming, man. That's why when you get off stage, you're so drained because it's just so much energy being passed back and forth between you and the audience. Yeah, man. It's, it, it definitely is, man. And um, if you could give us um, – and you said, okay – I like the comment you said, the first 10 seconds. I think this can apply to all our listeners, everybody in here. Because it's in any conversation, whether you're impressing a girl or if you're a girl trying to impress a boy, girl trying to impress a girl, whatever you're into. Or even giving a presentation or being a student. That first 10 seconds, the things that come out of your mouth, your body language, everything is so important. So kind of walk us through how in in, in your, your, your conversation or whatever you do, that first 10 seconds in the crowd. Like, what are you looking to do and how do you do it? For me, uh, because of my role in FFCS, I'm the energy. I'm the I'm the the so called the big teddy bear, the 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 sex symbol of the group. You always got to have a big, sexy, big dude. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess that's in right now. And so I'll come out to whatever whatever song is that's hot or whatever the new dances is. And that's why we have to stay in the know. We have to know what's hot, what's relevant. Mm-hmm. And once I do that, because I I have a lot of rhythm, I, I, I'm very fun. Mm-hmm. Once I do that and the DJ drops the music and I'm dancing or I'm nay-naying or I'm doing the yee or I may do an old school Harlem shake. Once I do that and the crowd's kind of uneasy and laughing, uh-huh. I can do what I want. So you just open for you got to open up first to something they can relate to, something they can really grab onto. And then right. once they get on rocking a little bit, you good to go. You're comfortable. You're I'm like you're confident. Go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, also, because this applies to everybody as well. I know you talked briefly about your creation process, but for all those out there that maybe want to be um, like public speakers or any, want to start a new business, and the the first part is starting. So what what advice do you have to give for our, the first-time entrepreneurs or the first people, first-time um, public speakers about the starting as far as the creation process? Like, where do if, you start? If... Um... As far as you talking about, as far as like getting my material together, yeah, getting your material, yeah, getting your material together. For me, my comedy style is very relatable, very relatable because there's there's not many differences between people. 
Mm-hmm. Most people do the exact same thing, uh-huh. just in a different way. Yeah. So, like, I say I have a mixed crowd, and I can say a joke like, well, you know, if 80s babies make noise, so, you know, you can kind of dictate who's in the crowd. So, like, 80s babies making noise. I'd be like, well, you know, in the 80s, you know, 80s babies, you know, early 90s, we was going to school. All we cared about was, was windbreaker suits. <laughs> and once you say that, so you see that? Look, look at look at the generation gap between me and you. Uh-huh. And as soon as I said windbreaker, windbreaker pants, you started laughing because you remember when you wore windbreaker pants. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could never creep up on anybody in windbreaker pants. You know, all we did was try to walk around and listen to our <laughs> CD Walkman on the school bus. That's it. We want to listen to our CD Walkman uh-huh. and try to hit girl butts and run. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the same thing. Like whether you're 30 now or 25, you did the exact same thing. So that's my style of comedy. I try to see what's relatable. Like, you know, say you're trying to watch a little, you know, you're trying to watch a little nasty HBO when you was little Mm -hmm. and your mama come in and you try to act like you sleep as soon as the door open. Everyone has done that. It's crazy. I think I like it when you when you say that, my mind just goes back into you. Like you 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 got that little light crevice on there. You know your bedtime at twelve, and it's like two right. o'clock, and you hear that you hear that door creak, and you're like, ah, oh, the light is you, on. You you th- you th- you 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 hear last on the remote to make sure it's on Cartoon Network. So when when she come in, it's on a cartoon. Uh huh. So it's not on HBO Nasty. <laughs> then you try to play sleep, and then as soon as she leaves, you switch right back on. Yeah. That's a constant thing that has happened. For years, and uh-huh. that's that's my style of comedy. Like I see, like right now, you never know. Like okay, I'm a. This is this is just off the top of the head. Mm-hmm. You never know what kind of music anybody listens to in the privacy of their car. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big dude. I listen. I got tattoos. I got dreads. But there's no there ain't no ain't nothing wrong if I play a little Beyonce in my car and, and have myself a party because <laughs> everyone does that. No, whether you admit it or not, uh-huh. and you see how the ice is broken because every dude in here done got caught playing Beyonce by that girl one time. Be like, oh, you left that in the you left that CD in the in the CD player. That's not mine. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I ain't gonna lie. That drunken love when that thing first dropped, I used to I, that just used to be on rotation. I don't exactly exactly. <laughs> but shoot, man, we're gonna go to um. And the next transition, and, and we're kind of going to talk about the future. And I'm a real big uh, guy, and I know I know you're really big on planning for success because everybody nowadays, for some reason, think they can just wake up and just and just go out here and do it and just make stuff happen. Nah, 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 nah. You have to plan for success. Kevin Hart in 05 and doing the college tours and getting the 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 grassroots movement rocking with him first and then going mainstream. That was intentional. And I want to kind of get into some the the future of everything, and it's going to kind of get a little deep too, man. So. What new projects or events are you working on that you're excited about to share? Well, right now, um, like I said, FSCS is now. We did our college tour. This will be our second year. Mm-hmm. We start off Friday. Um, but the the thing I'm most excited about is uh, I did a college conference as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm blessed to say I walked away with about 30 solo bookings, Ooh. which is which is phenomenal. Um and and because I made that step, because I actually planned to go do that, it forced me to actually work on my stand up and writing ten times better. Because not 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 only now do I have to perform, I used to perform with three other brothers. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy when you got your team with you. You can fall back on each other, yeah. you can balance off each other. But now I'm by myself. And now, because I took that chance, I invested. I now have to do an hour of stand up at about twenty schools next year. An hour. An hour. Uh, so hour. that that's already got me like, all right, well, this is game time. You know, every great comedian got at least an hour special. So now it's time for you to really get Ooh. in the gym and really just 
plan out and market how you're going to put this set together. It's not about whether I got an hour of material. I've been doing comedy for six years. Mm-hmm. I've been doing the Greensboro for five years, once a month. So I have three hours of, of material. Yeah. It's just that how am I going to maximize this hour with the greatest laughs every, you know, every minute. I don't mm-hmm. want a dead 10 minute set. I want an hour of constant high energy laughs. That's bruh. That is that is huge, man. So how are you gonna like this is just a regular question. As a as a freaking um as a fan, how are you gonna do uh because F- that's FFCS that schedule and then 30 solo bookings? Like first, how'd you get those 30 solo bookings? I mean, it's just from um people knowing you in the fear. Like, how'd you get that, man? Because a lot of people out there that are, are first time comedians, first time speakers, first time anything, that everybody's working on how do I get clients? So give me a little tip. So how did you get those first 30 uh these 30 bookings? Man, I went I um went to a program called NACA, which is a national Association for College Booking Activities. Uh, they book comedians, musicians, uh, you know, people who bring the massage chairs and the spa days for schools. Like that, that's the kind of program it does. It brings anything like T-shirt companies, people who make cups, everything. People go there and submit to try to sell their brand or activity to the school. I went. I registered. I paid. Uh, one of my good friends. His name is Fifty FF. He's um. The FFCS producer, he's a, he's a, the genius behind a lot of our games that we do in between our shows. He made me a video. I submitted it. I made it. Uh, I was given five minutes to perform, five minutes to perform at the stand-up. And, uh, and that five minutes, I convinced about 30 out of 50 schools to book me on the spot. Ooh, man, that's that's amazing, man. I can't wait to to see how that comes original. Are you gonna do a little behind the scenes or a, a video recap of all that? Like I mean Oh how- yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a I got a video team coming up with me um on the road for with FFCS and I have like a videography coming with me in the spring to about two single shows with me and Chico Bean. I'm actually gonna bring him as a guest. Mm-hmm. Which is nothing but a plus to the show because I'm bringing somebody with me that's on TV, mm-hmm. and he's actually opened up for me. So that actually does great wonders for my brand. Mm-hmm. As like to you know, oh, he brought Chico B. Wow, like you know, so it really helps out a lot. Yeah, man, that's that's huge, man. I, I can't wait. I'm excited, man. You didn't got you didn't push the level of excitement. I didn't even know that was that was a new project, man. And and kind of um and also like, where are you going? Uh, let's talk. Can you talk about a little bit about G Ho's do's and don'ts, man? Because uh, I know for for everybody that's unfamiliar about anything, because we got people all across the country that'll be downloading this. Um, G Ho, explain if if you don't know what G Ho is, there and kind of explain them what G Ho is and walk them through what G Ho do's and don'ts is. Man, G Ho is an acronym for the greatest homecoming on earth, uh, which is represented by the school, North Carolina Agriculture and Technical State University, located in Greensboro, North Carolina, founded in 1891. Um, one thing, one thing that A T teaches is that Aggies are family, um, and it's pretty much a big family reunion. It's it's a huge family reunion. If you went to college and you just did college and that's it and just did with the work, you didn't really get to experience and create those kind of bonds that other people did. Because I was involved in college, because I made these type of friends and relationships, I come to homecoming every year and we celebrate. We celebrate life. We celebrate we celebrate a new year. We celebrate accomplishments. We catch up. We we fellowship. We drink. We party. And uh the party, like the parties and the drinking, all that that come with it, that's awesome and it's cool, but more it's about seeing someone 
that help you accomplish a goal. Because one thing Aggies help each other do is achieve. I know for a fact I wouldn't have graduated if I didn't have the kind of Aggies surrounding me to push. And, you know, you know, you know, when you take a little too far, you got to have a few Aggies to be like, hey, bro, come on now, get it together. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing but a family union, man. Like, you know, I really feel like Jiho would still be crazy if we didn't even go to the club one time. If they just opened up our campus for three days and let us fellowship for three days, we still would have the best homecoming on earth because we're a family. That dog, you you that that's huge right there. You hit on it right there, family. That's really what it's all about at the end of the day. Even the success you're reaching, um, and as a comedian and even wherever you're going, because I see outrageous things ahead of you. It all boils down. It all comes back to family, and that's most right. important, man. So, um, before I get into one last question for the culture change round, I think I missed talking about this, um, and I think it's really important. Being a comedian and being a big personality, especially at A&T or what you're at now, you can have a lot of naysayers, a lot of haters, a lot of people like, oh, man, he's not that funny, or nah, man, really don't support him. So, how do you deal with negativity, man? Because I know... Um, Especially when you put yourself out there and people start to really, oh man, he's a little blind. They're like, man, I'm better than him, or he's not that funny. Why he getting all this shine? How do you deal with negativity? Man, you honestly, man, it's it's. I've actually struggled with it with such with. If I could be real, I actually struggled with it for almost two years, man. It was very difficult for me because I'm a positive person. Mm -hmm. All I want is for my friends to achieve what they. You know, I had to find a balance. Like everybody doesn't want. The lifestyle or the dream chase of dreams. Some people really just want a, a relaxed job and and a simple family. And I had to, you know, tame myself about that. But it's hard because I'm a positive person. So mm-hmm. I don't understand how a person can say something so negative about other people or speak out. If you look at it, man, to even keep a positive mindset these days, you got to balance your social media. You can't even be on Twitter for an hour because Twitter will make you angry because people have an opinion about so much that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what are you doing to change it? So I actually had to talk to, I had to actually have been talking to Chico Bean a lot, man. And, and it's just crazy to see him transition and deal with it because he's helping me a lot. Like, for instance, he put a picture up of his daughter mm-hmm. on Instagram. And yeah, it might have been a spam or it might have been something. But someone made a, a mean comment be like, oh, she's ugly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, that's his daughter. You know, and it's like, you don't even, you don't even know him, know nothing about him. Or it, it just, it just, it, it's. It's, it's very tough, man, but honestly, I deal with it because I have so many positive people in my circle. Mm-hmm. Like, when you got positive people around you giving you that kind of energy, man, you can deal with the negativities of the world. Like, you can shake it off. It won't bother you. FFCS is a positive group of brothers, man. Three of them are, uh, two of them are married. Three of them have, uh, three of my brothers have kids. So, you know, you get that kid energy around you. They all call me uncle. Um, my next level family, they're very positive, man. We send each other positive quotes every morning, the same that you do for your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we always encourage the people, you know, I've, I'm, I've, I've lost 30 pounds because of the positive friends I get every morning, like keep going. You making me want to work out. And, yeah, you, you know, it's all about who you keep around you also, man. The world could be the most native place in the world. But if you got about a, a circle of five or six friends who are all about achievement and positive, it won't even phase you. And that's honestly how I've been able to deal with it. That's huge, man. That's huge because especially the level that you're about to be to go on, especially anytime you have a national a national kind of brand or or emerging national brand, you have people that know know you from anything that will just say anything, and that, that that's kind of crazy. So I'm glad you spoke on that. Let's get a little deep, man. What and it's crazy. I'm just going from zero to one hundred, but it is what it is. What <laughs> what type of legacy do you want to leave behind, man? For me. I 
doing the shows at colleges is the most important to me. Mm-hmm. I love doing the shows, man. We just did Central for their welcome week. You know, 1,400 students, 18 years old. You know, we stay we stay and take a picture with every student who want to take a picture. You know, don't take this moment for granted because life is precious. Mm-hmm. But for me, my legacy the one thing that, that I want to stick with me is when I have those three or four students from every college show who come up to me and be like, hey, man, how you start chasing your dream? Like, you know, like, you know, what I mean, like what made you want to do that? That's that's my legend story. Like, that's what's made me legendary. I love performing in front of thousands. I love making people laugh. I love the pictures. I love what comes with it. I honestly do. But those four or five students who come up to me after every show to ask, how did I achieve my dream? And I let them know I come from a hard time. You know, I had I come from, you know, my family had a few problems. You know, ain't nobody's family's perfect. You mm-hmm. know, drug abuse here and there, alcohol here and there. My father walked out on me and, you know, I was a stepchild, all kinds of situations, all kinds of things I went through. But if I can go through all of that and still have the strength and the faith to chase my dream, then you can too. And once that kind of energy and message is passed across, hey man, that means more to me than anything else. That's real, man. That's real. That's real. That's real. And I got one last question before we go into the uh, the culture change round, which is the rapid answer round. And this is this kind of trips people up. But if you had a chance to go back ten years right now, ten years ago to the old Darren, to to a young Darren, ten year ten years younger Darren, what would you tell him? Woo, two thousand two thousand four Darren, man. I was off the chain <laughs> yeah. two thousand four, bro. Yeah, 2004, I had my own room at Aggie Suites, if you can imagine what that was like. Woo, in the suites, suites, in the suites, bro. I was a salt. Woo, man. If I if I could go back and tell, uh, I would tell me to save. I'm, I, I didn't start managing my money well until I was 25. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, you know, that's another reason I was able to quit my job because I was able to manage my money very well. I wish I would have told myself, 10 years ago to start managing a little bit earlier. Like instead of 25, start managing and putting up, you know, good stuff around 23. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably what I would have told myself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just start managing a little bit better. Cause man, my first year, my first year after graduation, man, I went to Hawaii, the Poconos, New York, two cruises. What? Like whenever I got a check, I spent <laughs> it. Like I was working, you know, I was getting a refund check every two weeks. Uh-huh. I was staying with my aunt until I got my money ready to move. I was going shopping and traveling once a month, man. I was loving it. Uh-huh. But, you know, I didn't discipline my. You know, you got to have those couple of years where you just lose it and have a good time. Yeah, you got to. You got to have them stories. Yeah, you got to have them stories. But I wish I would have told myself, you know, like maybe start at 23, you know, just to be more prepared now. Because now, man, all I want to do is make people laugh and see the world, man. I just want to see the entire world. That's it, man. That's it. That's that's amazing, dog. So let's make the transition into the culture change round, man. I'm going to ask you five questions and rapid answer. Give me rapid replies. You can go into detail after your answers, but five questions. And then I'm going to end it out with uh, one big question. So to kick it off, what is the best piece of advice that you ever received? Um, Best piece of advice I've ever received. Can't make everyone happy. That's that's that 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 advice to any kind of speaker or anybody this this vulnerable put themselves in situation where they're talking to a lot of people is key because I mean as a speaker you want to make everybody laugh you want to make everybody inspired everybody motivated but 
it ain't possible. Like this podcast, there's going to be right. some people out there that listen going to be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's great content. Some people going to be like, I wasted 40 minutes of my time. Some people going to be like, I don't care. But kind of what you said, if there's one, two, three or four people, they'd be like, wow, I, I heard his story and I've seen him live on the show, but they kind of have him share his intimate concerns and inner beings that really meant a lot to me. That's really all that matters. So that's huge, man. Um, what is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Um, recently, man, lifestyle change, running, working out. What made you start working out, man? My first experience on the tour, man, honestly, man, a year ago, waking up in the airport and getting on the van and driving eight hours and coming from Miami to from Miami to Detroit and from Detroit to Ohio, from Ohio to Alabama and Man, I probably gained about 25 pounds. It was rough on the body, eating fast food, no sleep. And uh, I just felt myself heavy all the time. Like clothes was fitting kind of tight and, mm -hmm. you know, things I was used to wearing weren't looking too good. And I was more exhausted when I got off stage. So I had to make that lifestyle change for my career. That's huge, man. That's huge. What is your favorite book and why? Favorite book. Mm, 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 mm. That's a lot of books, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think. One of my favorite books is, man, it's called Positive Thinking Every Day. Mm -hmm. um, it's 365 days. Every day you read it, you open it up. It's a positive quote to start your day. Okay, cool. And I'll have that in the show notes when I when I get off as far as the link and how you can where you can find that book. Okay. Um, what inspires you and keeps you motivated? Um. Because honestly, man, it's my purpose. It's the reason why I'm living. That's what keeps me motivated. If God came down today and was like, you can't perform or do stand up anymore or host anymore, then you might as well take me because that's my only purpose of being here. I've realized that's my purpose is to motivate people to chase their dreams, change lives, and just to make people laugh and forget about life because life is painful, bro. Life is joyful, but it's also painful. Like I've had to perform at least four times on a day I've had a death in my family. And through that stage, I was able to get through the day, through that laughter, through the crowd laughing at me. I was able to get through losing a family member. That's big, man. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. If you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Speak my mind. Like for one day, I would just let the United States know how I feel and what it's like to be in my job. And then like. Hopefully nothing bad will happen from it, but that's what I would do. <laughs> That'd be huge. About, like you just <laughs> Yeah, about ten minutes to say whatever I want. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? That'd be that that would be amazing, man. Especially with social media the way it is today, man. He could do a whole I mean, dog, he could take that. Honestly, he should do that. And President Obama, if you listen to this, the last day of your 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 term, contact Darren Brandon or his team and then uh come together a little strategy to do that man that'd be huge because he's on his way out anyway so he might as well do one day or a 10 minutes like you said and just go in it I, I would love to see that <laughs> I know and um in this is last final question and I do this with everybody that's on the show and this is to kind of bring it all home because at the end of the day this show is to inspire and motivate everybody but most importantly young minority individuals because there's not like you said there's not enough positivity around here so if you could change one thing about society most specifically african-american culture what would it be and why you can take your time uh for me if it was one thing i could change it would be our mentality 
I wish I could give everybody the mentality that you are bigger than anything that can happen to you. Like you are. And and we as black people, man, we we take a lot of blame and we just we and we keep it. Like, you know, we were slaves or, you know, they're racial, you know, and a lot of those a lot of those stuff, you know, we may have actually helped out on some of those stuff we may have made a little worse for ourselves or whatever, what have you. But, you know, if, if, if your dad walks out on you or your mom does drugs or your family's tough or your girl left you or you lost your job, like you're bigger than anything that can happen to you. Like long as you pray and you're breathing, get back up and get back to work. Like we we have a little tough time and we fold. We cannot fold, man. We can no longer fold. That's real, man. That's real, man. Shoot, man. Um, dog, I, it's been a pleasure, a pleasure get having taking your time interviewing today, man. So before we wrap it up, how can people find more about you? Get in touch, get in touch with you. FFC movement, what you're doing, and how can people get in contact? Where can they find you at? Man, you can follow me on Twitter, man, at Darren Brand underscore D-A-R-R-E-N-B-R-A-N-D underscore. Same um, on Instagram. Um, we're always posting our schedules, our tour dates. You can go to my website. Uh, I have uh, a couple of T-shirts on sale that's part of my branding company, PB&J, Product of Better Judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, next level will be releasing G-Ho soon. My website, DarrenBrand.com. You can email me for booking or you know, Greg, if you need something else, you know, you want to speak to some more students or whatever, Dan Brand at Gmail. And, man, I really appreciate it, man. I thank you for the opportunity. So I want to, to, to take my time to say thank you for, for everything, dog, um, from the bottom of my heart, from for the audience that's going to get add value from this, dog. And um, i see you on the flip side. No doubt, bro. Be blessed, bro. Already. Yeah. Thank everyone for tuning in. And if you have any questions you want to reach out, any questions for Darren, any questions for myself, want to get somebody on the show, I just want to learn more about the show. You can check out www.greggyhill.com backslash MT podcast. All right. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for being y'all. That don't make no sense, but I'm going to leave it. I ain't going to edit that out. (laughs) So wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing, like we always end it. Do me one favor, one favor at all, change the culture. Good night, America.